1: What's up? We're just eight days away from Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, a lot of names finding out where they'll start their NFL careers. Of course, Bryce Young, the current favorite to go first, but hey, a lot can change okay. in a week's time. Inside Good Morning Football, you are in the show. We are live in New York City, Wednesday, April 19th. I'm Jamie Erdahl, Kyle Brant, Peter Schrager, mm-hmm. Jason McCourty. Time for Lead Block. Lead, lead block. block. Bryce Young may have canceled his. That was a wonderful Broadway I'm very performance. Right. Lead Block. Uh, he may have canceled his remaining pre-draft mm-hmm. visits, but he certainly spent a lot of time with the team, the team holding the first overall pick. The Panthers brass made their way to Alabama's pro day, which was held at the end of March, hosted the Crimson Tide quarterback in Charlotte last Tuesday. Many meals have been exchanged. Bread has been broken. Yesterday, GM Scott Fitterer was asked about what many have been wondering, which is, is Bryce Young's stature a concern?
3: Well, I would say this, uh, when Russell Wilson came out, I think he had three balls batted down his senior year. You know, Bryce had two. So if you're talking just about Bryce, this doesn't seem to be an issue. When you grow up a shorter quarterback, you learn how to evolve your game and adapt and see the field and he's done that just like cj's you know evolved his game you know will's evolved his game they all they all develop and there's certain tools that they have and they learn to to play to their strength and they've all done that it's not like we're expecting this quarterback to come in and instantly just like make everything happen everything changes immediately i mean you've seen it with like jalen hurts and josh allen It, it takes time
1: the time feels different, though, when you are the first overall pick. Uh, the Panthers say they're not looking for the instant fix at quarterback. However, they certainly wouldn't have traded up if they didn't think that a rookie quarterback in this class would make an immediate and early impact. So many believe that rookie will be Bryce Young under center. Mm-hmm. Let's, again, pick the low-hanging fruit. Okay. Are we sure...
2: Can he pick it, though? Can he reach up? That
1: is the question, Kyle. Are we <laughs> sure that Bryce Young's height or size, well, whichever parameter you want to talk about is yeah. a bigger concern than teams are making it out to be.
4: Okay, yeah, If he can't reach up and grab it, just pick something up, throw it up, and, oh, yeah. it down, and nice. it'll fall to him, the quarterback. Idea, Jay. Uh, as I look at Bryce Young, I think sometimes we talk about his size, and obviously C.J. Stroud is the next quarterback that we're continuing to compare him to, but the draft is somewhat of a crapshoot. It's not as if you go C.J. Stroud at number one. It's just like automatically well, he's bigger, yep. he weighs more, so he's going to be a hit. He's going to be a success. I think the closer we get to the draft, the more film you're watching, the more you're Breaking down, and the football continues to jump off the film for you. And as you look at Bryce Young, I think that's what's happening. I go back a month ago, whenever C.J. Stroud's pro day was, we looked at it and we glamoured over McCown and and all everybody there, Frank Reich, and they're laughing. They look like they're enjoying yeah. C.J. Stroud. And after that, it was just like, oh, it's a done deal. He's going to be the number one pick. His size is a difference maker. It's not going to be Bryce Young. I got a chance to listen to Bryce on the Pivot podcast, mm. and it was interesting just hearing his take on it and acting. Does it motivate him? This, that, and the third. And he was like, no, absolutely not. He said, my entire life, he said, for one, I'm a black quarterback. It's not something that's popular. You always have to work against that narrative. He said my entire life. yes, a five-star. I go to Alabama. But he said, in order to get that, I had to go to every single football camp. I had to go to the best high school in the area, prove myself, and go out there and be the best player on my team to earn the things Mm -hmm. that I've earned. He said, this is just who I am. I'm going to continue to go out there, prove people wrong, and earn it. And as I look at this, Bryce Young, we continue to say how good of a quarterback he is, how well he distributes the ball, how well he's performed, a Heisman Trophy winner at Alabama. I think those things supersede his height and doesn't mean all right. he's going to be a slam dunk he's going to be Russell Wilson he's going to be Drew Brees but I think when you're going into the draft and you're looking at a player the more and more it unfolds you're just like this kid is a really good football Mm -hmm. player and we bring him into our franchise he has the opportunity to change it
0: think about the same thing that number one overall pick okay and just you know, a decade ago, Cam Newton was a
2: yeah. monster. 6'6".
0: Six, six. You go through the list of these guys over the years. Justin Herbert is a first-round pick. Is a six-foot-six, Two hundred Bryce Young almost was a different species of mm. quarterback. And we're talking about one hundred and eighty-five pounds. Forget the height, 185 yeah. pounds as a quarterback. That is not Kyler Murray. That is not Baker Mayfield. That's not even Johnny Manziel. That is a slender. So to find the comp is so difficult. Mm. And it's funny during this mock draft stuff that I've been doing. I talk to all the GMs and I speak to you know guys and player personnel and. Time and time again, the comparisons. It wasn't like, well, Doug Flutie did this, or wow, well, well, you know, you know, you've had guys like Baker Mayfield or Drew Brees. The first one that came up was point guard out of Davidson who puts up 30 a game, and it's Steph Curry. That's the comparison you get, a Steph Curry comparison. Not only because of the way he distributes the ball, because of the way he just glides through the game, and it feels like he has complete awareness, despite not being the tallest, despite not being the most physically imposing has total control of his body. Mm. All right, so I talked to another GM and we're talking the reference he makes is a point guard out of Gonzaga from the 84 draft. Let's go. John Stockton is who he's mentioning, saying complete confidence oh in delivering the ball. <laughs> Stockton, all-time assist leader of course, but also played amongst trees was always the guy, the shortest guy in the paint but able to get in there. Then the last one, which might not even be a compliment based on the way some people view his game, but it was the same last name Trey Young on the Atlanta Hawks, mm. another guy, not the biggest build, but just is able to glide at his own pace and do his own thing. There has never been a quarterback this short or this light taken first overall. There's never been a quarterback this short or this light taken in the first round. And here we are eight days away, and it feels like it's almost a formality that he's going to be the first overall mm-hmm. pick. <laughs> I do think there's obvious concerns. If he gets hit hard, he can go down. If he is, you know, balls are batted balls are down, that's a real concern. He had two balls batted down at his time at Alabama, two at the no. line of scrimmage. I He's been 5'10 his entire career, you know, since, since high school and college, and he has found a way to play at the highest of levels in high school and college. I think the Panthers are willing to, to bank on the fact that they'll get the Steph Curry and be able to just find a guy who just has complete confidence in the pocket.
2: And likely I, Bryce's teammates won't step on people on the field and get suspended. Like, but he has that going for him too, right? Look, look yeah, yeah. No.
0: he'll take a Draymond if he can get one. I guess, song,
2: yeah. Though. We'd like a little calm down version of it. 5'10 and an eighth. I'm with you on this. If you're concerned about size okay, maybe, you want a bigger athlete with bigger bones and bigger muscles and all that. Like, that makes sense to me, and if Stroud presents that somewhere else, then go with that direction. The height thing is just its just one of these things that we do, and we have to do, and it's draft combine time. And, you know, if a wide receiver who had 2,000 yards last year in college runs a 4-5, we must break down that he <laughs> can't separate from NFL coverage. It's what we do with our measurables. But I think generally it's nonsense because it seems to be, how's he going to see over the linemen and all that rote conversation about batted-down passes and stuff like that. Like that. Last year Bryce Young in a loss to Tennessee had 455 yards passing. In that game, Crimson Tide versus Volunteers on the left, you see the Crimson Tide offensive line, bunch of runts at 65 66 64, and then there's the Tennessee defensive line 64 65 63 63. 455 yards. I looked at the Panthers offensive line half of them are shorter than those guys. All right, so he will actually have an advantage going to the NFL level, including both tackles, because the guys will be shorter than the line behind which he dominated college football. Another comparison. If you want to do the Kyler thing, he's so short, how's he going to see over the lineman? It'll be a big adjustment going to the NFL. Kyler Murray started the first game of his first season, threw for 300 yards and two touchdowns. In the second game, he threw for 300. There was no adjustment period. There was no batted ball palooza. It's a nonsense thing that we make up. If you're worried about his stature and his size and his injury risk, I could maybe see you there. But the height thing is... It's magic pixie dust that we do this year, and every single year it should get smaller and smaller, so to speak. And we should not talk about it anymore. If he dominates at five ten and eight, unless we're talking about someone who's like literally five foot five, mm-hmm. then we have to worry. Five ten and an eighth. You saw the lines in front of him. You saw the lines next to what Kyler did. I don't think you should be more worried about. It. I don't. I think we should talk about it less, actually.
1: And if you watch the entirety of that Tennessee game, what was the number? What did he throw for? Four fifty-five. Four fifty-five. He got hit a lot. He got hit mm. a lot. Bounced up every time. There you go. Look faced. He did not look faced. And they lost that game, and he just kept – it's like a boxer bouncing up off the ring. We can, again, conjecture about numbers. I just like to go to the sources. I like to go to the guys that play against him, that practice against him, that know him really well. We had his teammate, uh, Will Anderson, in studio yesterday. Will, what do you think about how Bryce Young practices plays at five foot ten and an eighth of an inch?
4: Yeah, I'm super excited for Bryce. I mean, he's a big competitor. Going against him at practice every day was really fun. And honestly, like, I never even looked at his height as an issue. Yeah. Like, even when he got on campus, even when I met him at the All-American game or just being, like, in practice or anything like that, he's always handled it really well. He does an outstanding job of making sure that he's prepared, you know what I'm saying, for everything. So just his IQ for the game is excellent. But he's a great teammate, a great brother, um, a great friend. So, I mean, I can't say enough good things about Bryce uh, Bryce.
1: sounds like all the things that would make a great number one overall pick as a quarterback and the leader of your organization in the face of your franchise if you're gonna do the, the point guard comparison yep. I think all great point guards have two things that I've always loved about John Stockton. I yeah, love Good picture. John good
2: picture.
1: Uh, separation, mm. the ability to separate. You're not going to dribble into a situation, especially being one of the smaller guys in the court, and be able to make good passes. It's just not how a good point guard plays. Keep your body separate from the traffic, and you will make better decisions. Speaking of those better decisions, separation and intelligence. And Will Anderson just spoke on that. His game IQ, he picked the best college football program to go to to compete against the best because he wanted Nick Saban to drive him. He wanted to be the best and show that he could do it. He has done that at Alabama. The numbers, is what he has been dealt with his entire life, I don't care anymore. He seems to be the guy, and that is what the Panthers want to do moving forward. And I don't blame him because he is ridiculously talented.
0: Yeah, went to the top high school matter day out there in California. It was five stars there. Went mm-hmm. to the top college. Alabama wins a Heisman. First Alabama quarterback ever to win a Heisman. And mm. is now looking at to go to the number one overall pick. And now at this point, you say, well, wait a second. Is he tall enough to play the position? It just feels late in the game. You know the NFL is a big deal, but at this point, I mean, he didn't play at some Division three school yeah. against no competition. He just dominated the SEC. It's an Topic.
2: I really think. Mm-hmm. Twenty five years ago was Manning and Leaf, and it's these two statues, and they stand there. Super. It's just not that way anymore. Shotgun, shotgun, shotgun. There's all this room around them. Like it's. It's. Yeah, I think it's. Totally it's, it's our mm-hmm. father's conversation. I would
0: almost be, this, be like detracted from a six seven quarterback. Mm. I would almost rather have the five ten. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't, yeah, I don't want the immobile yeah, yeah, yeah. quarterback.
2: Yeah, in yeah. Okay.
1: Oh my god, we have so much to look forward to with the draft next week. Twenty twenty three NFL draft presented by Bud Light is almost here. Greatness. You're on the clock. Watch live April 27th through the 29th with NFL Network draft coverage presented by Verizon. Additional coverage on ABC, Mm. ESPN, and ESPN Deportes, and you can stream it on NFL+. Love the George Karlaftis. That's the the one. We got it. I know. Big George. George. Promo, promo. Promo. Giddy up. Time for Whiteboard Wednesday. After being named running back one for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Rashad White told reporters, quote, I expect myself to be a stud. That's just the kind of guy I am. The lesser known player. Who we expect to be a stud in 2023
0: is. We should play a game on this show. Say, who am I? I'm gonna give you some descriptors mm. of this player. I ran for 1,000 yards last year. I was a rookie, and I'm gonna be the running back number one on a team that loaded up this offseason. Who am I? Kenneth Walker?
2: Possibly. <laughs> rookie running back. Damian uh, I mean, Pierce? Possibly. Good ones. Uh huh. It's neither of them. Tyler Algiers Tyler Algier. ran for a thousand
0: yards last year. The Atlanta ran for a thousand yards last year for the Atlanta Falcons, a fifth round pick out of BYU. They loaded up on offense. They've got, you know, Kyle Pitts coming back, hopefully better. Drake London, hopefully, coming back even better. And Arthur Smith's offense is going to lean on the running back. Remember, this was the guy that had Derrick Henry as his running back when he was OC in the glory days of the Titans a few years back. I feel like Tyler Algier is just scratching the surface. Not a household name. You will not see many Algier jerseys when you're walking around Manhattan today. But a fifth-round pick out of BYU, you know, I I think he's going to have a huge season next year. I'm already excited for it. And if they pass on Bijan Robinson at number eight,
4: it's because they love this guy. Uh, They already have number 25. Mm, I love that. We saw saw him last year making plays, but... Cordell Patterson was in that backfield, Mm. Caleb Huntley. You don't realize he ran for 1,000 yards last year. I'm going with a defensive tackle that signed somewhere in free agency, a huge deal, Draymond Jones. He comes over from the Denver Broncos to Seattle, and there's some saltiness in him. He said he should have been traded in the Russell Wilson trade. (laughs) Denver kept him, said no for him to be able to go there. Seattle wanted him. He said, but then they didn't pay me the respect I deserve in free agency and bring me back. Talking about next season, he said he's putting everybody on notice. Six <laughs> and a half sacks last year. Doesn't feel like he's getting a lot of credit. Goes under the radar. So I'm excited just to see him go. And it's not a household name. When he signed a big deal in free agency, everybody's like, wow, who's, who's Draymond Jones? Let me go back and look at him. So I, I think he's going to be a stud in Seattle, and I can't wait to see what it comes out to be. Let's go. Can
1: we play the game again? Let's do, it. Let's do it. I am a former walk-on uh-huh. with a Super Bowl-winning quarterback but a new head coach this season. And I am uh, a tight end.
2: Definitely someone from the SEC.
1: No, he is not. No? No. Greg Dolchich, the oh. tight end for the Denver Broncos. Okay. I don't yeah. know Greg Dolchich. Sean Dolcich. Payton, what are we doing? What are we doing with a tight end in your offensive set? Russell Wilson, are you going to make Dolchich better? Dolchich comes out of UCLA. He was a third-round pick. He caught two pa- two touchdown passes last season. He got hurt the back seven games. But I think in a new offense, he's 6'4", 245. I'm curious to see what Sean Payton can do with a Greg Dolchich with a new offense and fixing everything that Russell Wilson had going on. Tough
0: for. name, Dolchich.
1: Dolchich, <laughs> the had UCLA Bruin. Great,
0: great combine It was all the talk last mm. year and then the yeah. rookie year. I had a think minute, had, no, had a beat. Yeah, a yeah, long, young, young, you remember. Young, you long couple, flowing
1: yes, hair. Yes, yeah, that's, ah. yes, the classic tight end. Look.
2: I like that. My team has a top 10 pick. I would be the leading returning rusher, but it's our quarterback. Guys, I love this dude, Khalil Herbert on the oh, Chicago wow. Bears. Nice. Remember this name. A uh, couple things. David Montgomery is gone. He's in Detroit. Justin Fields is probably not going to run as much as he did last year. Herbert had some huge runs, big games. You might remember him when they shockingly beat the Patriots. Herbert had a huge play in that game. He's got breakaway speed. He looked like the best running back on the team last year, and maybe it's part of the reason David Montgomery is now with Detroit. Khalil Herbert is one of these guys where you're like, if you go early on wide receiver and quarterback in fantasy, get Herbert. He'll be there because his name value is low, but his game is really good. I like Khalil Herbert. Bear down.
1: April 19th, this is the kind of show that we like to reference back to in October, November be like, look how smart we That's, are. We wrote those yeah. names on a board. Dolchich. Dolchich.
2: Al- Algier. <laughs> Albert, Al- six vowels. Yeah. And <laughs> per- I, I like it.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, the Panthers are going to Bryce Young is going to slaughter it when he comes to the NFL. Is he a surefire number one overall pick? We're going to check in with our path to the draft crew to hear their opinion on it later on.
0: Time for a segment we're calling Get to Know. It's presented by our friends at Chase Sapphire. This is where we dig a little bit deeper and get to know the stories behind the young men being drafted next week. Today, quite appropriately, with one of my co-hosts at the table seated a few feet away, I want to tell the story of identical twin brothers named Chase and Sydney Brown. Chase was born two minutes before Sydney. They were raised in London, Ontario, Hmm. two hours from Toronto. Things weren't always easy for the Brown brothers. Their mother Rachel became ill after their baby sister was born and steady employment was hard to come by. The twins, their sister, and their mother lived in multiple shelters as kids. According to one report, they moved to an estimated 20 different homes and shelters with their mother and their younger sister during their childhood. That's survival. And that's the name of the game for the Brown brothers. In 2016, with them both flourishing in athletics up in Canada, the family was connected by a Canadian football scout to a private school in Florida called St. Stephen's Episcopal Football. The football coach connected with the Browns a family called the Yates, and the Yates offered their home for the Brown boys to live in while they enrolled at this prestigious school down in Florida. It was hard to leave Canada and their mother and sister, but the two brown boys in high school, they did it. They hopped in a car and their mother drove them from Canada to Florida. Rachel, their mom, said it was the most difficult decision she's ever had to make. No sooner than they arrived in Florida, they immediately began thriving in not only football, but in the classroom. And soon enough, they were getting college scholarship offers. Chase, he committed to Western Michigan as a running back. And Sydney, he committed to to Illinois as a defensive back. And after a short period apart, they would actually end up together at Illinois once the running back, Chase, transferred to be part of the Illini. And that's where the two brothers thrived. From October 2019 and over the next two years, their mother had not seen them play in person because of COVID, because of distance. And this awesome thing happens. On November 27th, 2021, before their final game of the season versus Northwestern, mm-hmm. Their mother, Rachel, drove seven and a half hours from Canada to Illinois and got in line at the beginning of the game as the players got off the bus. Oh, it was great. It was the awesome. first time they'd seen their mother in two years, and the first time that she would be able to see a game in two years. I remember, Canada to Florida to Illinois, she finally got to see their sons play in a college football game in the Big Ten together. That was 2021. 2022 Mm -hmm. they both go out to illinois and they absolutely ball out let's go like they're awesome the illini had their most wins since 2007 and chase was a second team all-american at running back and sydney's all over the field they also show up and they dominate at the senior bowl they go to the combine they steal the show they're both in this draft and they're both looking to be selected within the first seven rounds if they do that They'll be just the sixth twin brothers drafted in the same draft together Mm. since 1980. Mm. It's an awesome family story. It's Sidney Brown, Illinois safety, who wears number 30. And then, of course, Chase Brown, his brother, three minutes apart, running back. Both could be selected next week. And oh, what a story that would be. Jason... I naturally turn to you. You have a twin brother. Of course, you guys both played in the NFL. Their story is an incredible one of survival and of fortitude. Your thoughts on the Brown brothers coming out of Illinois?
4: It's just amazing. Sidney and Chase Brown, uh, I think back to my brother and myself, our, our days in college and sharing each other's shoes, sharing each other's clothes. And you think about those two guys. From the moment you go in high school, you go on the road to Florida, an unfamiliar place, and that bond that they probably have of, like you just said, survival, of going through these new adventures together now possibly going to be drafted. Possibly go on different avenues, and that type of connection and bond as you're going through these different experiences. When all you know is this person next to you has been your entire life, we'll love to get to know these two guys. Put
0: you on the spot. If we were to connect you with these guys, what advice would you give them?
4: Oh man, I would say continue to lean on each other. With me and my brother, I end up getting drafted the year before, and we talked every single day about Mm. the process, everything that's going to go into it. They may end up in different cities on different teams. Continue to build that bond. Continue to connect, and they'll be able to know about two different organizations at the same time. which will help them both become better players and people.
1: They're gonna be on our show next week.
4: Mm, so both of them.
1: Peter, way to lay the groundwork and so then we get to have them on the show and get to know them a little this. bit better. And now, Jason, you get to give them that advice.
2: No doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. I, I wonder I wonder if there's any way you could keep the band together. You know, they, right. they had to transfer down to Illinois. So so Jason, was there any notion at all that the Titans would draft Devin? No,
4: there no. wasn't. Dev became a free agent at one point, and we were trying to yeah. Get it to, But as I look back on our journey, I'm so happy that we didn't end up, we it, didn't start together. Why? Because you think about it, by the time we ended up playing together, I was in my 10th year, he was in his 9th year. Yeah. I had been a multiple-time captain in Tennessee, he was captain in Super Bowl. We had kind of developed our own identity and yeah. our own accomplishments within the NFL. Coming together just made it so much better. It's
2: interesting. Like I, I don't know, Peter, how the draft shakes out, but let's say if one of them were to go in the fifth or sixth round, and you're holding on the seventh rounder, would you not try to bring them together mm-hmm. if you have a position yeah, of need? You beat?
0: Know, I remember it was a year apart. They weren't in the same draft, but Shaquille Griffin Shaquem. was on the the Seattle Seahawks, yeah. and Shaquem Griffin was there, and they yeah. took them and he, there was a great support system for sure. the two of them. I feel like these guys are survivors. You put them in any NFL city, right. and you put them anywhere, yeah, they're going to do true,
2: it. That's true, man. That's awesome. I love it. Right. Good job, Peter. So cool, cool,
1: Peter. It's awesome. Yeah.
2: The word Alabama gets said a lot at the draft by Roger Goodell because he announced the first-round picks. But maybe not as much as you might think. Look at that. Since 1967, Ohio State still leads all college programs with the most first-round picks in the common draft era. Then USC. Then the U, who had... I feel like 62 in two seasons once and then Florida but Alabama is there certainly over the last decade they've got to be the leader but this goes back to 1967 Alabama the number one picks so let's go uh, guys meanwhile we're going to go to uh, our guys at Path to the draft who are going to tell us more about it wouldn't well, it great to be in single digits until the draft, right? We are getting
3: closer to April 27th, which means we are getting closer to the Panthers being on the clock. Welcome back here inside the path of the draft studio. Rhett Lewis, Bucky Brooks, and Daniel Jeremiah trying to assess that number one pick potential. Certainly feels like, guys, Bryce Young is trending up there with the Panthers at number one. So maybe we should give a little perspective on Alabama quarterbacks, right? Let's show you where Alabama quarterbacks have gone recently going back to the 2020 draft. We had a pair of them selected. Now, we're including Jalen Hurts in this conversation. Fudging it a little bit. He did go to a couple of national title games with Alabama, so we put him up there as well. Obviously, Mac Jones, most recently, first-round pick of the New England Patriots. All right, DJ, you're up here. Bryce Young goes number one. Would he rank number one coming out of college with those three quarterbacks? Well, he's not only going to go number one this year, he's my number one player in this year's draft, and he would be my highest graded player as they entered this part of the process on the march into the draft. I have a big grade on Bryce Young. To me, I think he's the most complete player of the bunch. You look at what he can do on schedule, off schedule. Although the size is not ideal, he's been more durable than Tua. And Tua, you had more concerns with the injuries he suffered late in his career there at Alabama. So it would be Bryce Young, number one for me, followed by Tua, followed by Mac Jones, followed by now the wealthiest quarterback in the national football
4: That's league. right. There you go. <laughs> look, I, I would agree with that opinion. Bryce Young is by far the best quarterback that Alabama has produced. When you watch him play, he plays the game like a magician. You're talking about a guy who can do all the throws that you want to see, but it's the leadership ability, it's the intangible qualities, and most importantly, his ability to deliver in the clutch. I don't think that is talked about enough. Two-minute situation with the ball in his hands. This is the guy that you want to live and die with. Bryce Young is the best one that we've ever seen. Don the Crimson. Guys, I love
3: that suddenness that he uses when oh, he gets yeah. out of the pocket, that little shoulder shake that just gets him free enough to continue to make plays out on the perimeter when things break down and he's trying to improvise. See that all the time. It's oh, like Darren, at out the end of down. Path of the Draft with Rhett. I mean, he's out that get d- gone. It's get,
2: quick. Get
3: Right? Hey, thanks for being okay. with us here. And reminder to join us each and every weekday right up until the first round of the draft, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on NFL Network. We'll see that.
2: Appreciate uh, you, Rhett. Appreciate you guys. Let's bring it back to the table here. Peter, Alabama football, that beautiful A. When you see it, when you hear it, when you think of it, who is the player that comes to mind? Yeah, look,
0: Namath and Starr and all those guys. My generation, I go through it then, and then I think of the guy who was the most dominant wide receiver that I remember watching in the SEC, Julio Jones, is who mm. comes to mind mm. for me. Julio was a sensation at Alabama. It was he and A.J. Green. A.J. Green was at Georgia. Julio was at Alabama. And Julio would just have one big catch after another. This was like when Saban was just bringing Alabama's program back. And it was, who is this guy, Julio Jones? Goes on to the NFL. I will still contend that Super Bowl season from the Falcons, mm-hmm, what Julio mm-hmm. did in that season. I'm not. As much as Calvin Johnson broke all the records, I'm not sure I ever saw a more dominant receiver in the game at one point
4: in his career than Julio Jones did in that moment. A, a true monster. Uh, I'm going with... Mark Ingram. First got him win the Heisman mm. for Alabama. Oh, wow. 2009 season, 1,600 yards. He was just unbelievable. Looked like a tank. It's so funny. Years later, he's at the coin toss with Derek Henry, and he's in street clothes and going against Mark Ingram, you looked at him as like a, almost a mini bus and he stood next to Derrick Henry you he was just like, my goodness, look like bring your child to work day. But Mark <laughs> Ingram was a monster. Obviously, he's gone on I think it's 12 years now uh, in the NFL. Uh, big personality, but also just a really good player. And watching him in college was unbelievable.
2: He's the man. and He's still oh, going. He's yeah. an unbelievable dude. I actually really love the 90s era of Alabama football because they weren't great. In mm-hmm. fact, they had some really down years. And I remember specifically when it started to turn around for me, I was playing college football at the the time we played our game on that saturday they probably got like our doors blown off by dartmouth and we went up to this place where we lived and we put on the iron bowl and it was alabama versus auburn and the biggest superstar in the field was sean alexander and he went nuts in this game and no one could believe oh my god alabama just won it was a shock that they won they there were not expectations of the alabama in that era he had like 199 yards several touchdowns and went on to be Peter, the MVP of the NFL? Absolutely. MVP. Well, running backs to be in Incredible. Wow. Madden cover. Awesome. Now he and his wife have 12 children. I saw him in NFL honors. Says Sean, what's going on? How are the kids? We got another one coming. <laughs> Congratulations, Sean. He's going for 13, <laughs> I is believe. in retirement. Yes.
1: yes. I love all those names. I, it's hard to put into historical context. And I have my most recent four years at CBS were spent around a lot of Alabama games. A lot of mm-hmm. players can't pick just one. The face that comes to mind that I was ever so accustomed to seeing during during my, a lot of my interviews, is Miss Terry Sabin is the better half sure. than Coach Nick Saban. Miss Terry would always stand right over the shoulder in a post-game <laughs> setting. You know Miss Terry would always have the players up to their lake house, the Saban family lake house. Miss Terry is a pinnacle and a, and a pinpoint and a feature of the Alabama football program. The players love her. Coach always defers to her. I remember when Coach was sick during the COVID fall season, he would say, Miss Terry's making me stay in my chair and do these interviews from right here. Miss Terry ru- runs the house. She is a lovely woman. Always love seeing Miss Terry. <laughs> And to me, she is the fixture to Alabama football. Similar to Linda Leone, the administrative ah,
2: assistant that we okay. heard. Ah, uh, yes, uh, yes. I would also say uh, Miss Terry and Little Debbie, as we know. Coach loves those snack cakes. He does, Just yeah. ask <laughs> them. A
1: cup of coffee and two Little <laughs> Debbies <laughs> little in the morning.
2: <laughs> That's the thing, right? Lake <laughs>
0: House is such a thing with the tubing. That's like yes. a big deal. Jamie, did you ever get the invite? Did they Never ever extend the, the invite? invite? Ah,
1: Never. Uh, no, no. No members of the media? No. No. no oh, but I would right. He did used to run a pickup basketball game that I really wish one day
4: Really? I <laughs> thought you going to say you were in there balling, beating. everybody I know
1: I could do that
4: what will draft day look like for former
2: Georgia Bulldog Jalen Carter we think the most intriguing defender in this draft we'll hear what his agent had to say next that was a pun on Drew Rosenhouse's name
1: names we are going to hear one of which is the georgia defensive tackle Jalen carter who was a shoe in to be a top five pick heading into the national championship game against tcu but that all came into question several hours after the bulldogs won that game when he was involved in a fatal crash carter eventually pled no contest to reckless driving and racing charges in the latest episode of hbo's real sports with brian gumbel streaming on hbo max john frankel spoke with carter and his agent drew Rosenhaus.
4: Do you think that what happened back in January and the incident is going to matter to NFL teams come draft day? Uh, Yeah, I feel like it's going to matter a little bit because, you know, NFL teams look deep into your life.
3: If Jalen Carter is still on the board after the first five picks, will you pull a stunt? No, I'm not going to call him. Yes, I will tell him in the green room to keep a stiff upper lip and to maintain a positive attitude that we're going to be drafted any second now. And yes, I'll be on the other line calling teams and saying, you better pick this guy right now because I'm talking other clubs that could potentially take him. And what happens if you're wrong? I won't be.
1: Mm. What do we make of what we just heard from Jalen Carter, but also his agent, his representation, Drew Rosenhaus, and Carter's decision really to move forward, not meeting with teams outside the top 10 picks?
0: Drew's been protecting Jalen Carter in a way that he's not going to have him sit down with the team with the 25th overall pick and relive the experience that he had yeah. in January, which is a horrible thing to go down and obviously a tragic story for all those involved. I can't imagine Drew is going out there so proactively and so visibly. He's not a guy, as much as he likes the cameras, and you might think he does because he's seen him in... Movies and on 60 Minutes all that. He doesn't want to be out there in this if he's wrong. So I have to think that he's got a a word from a longtime GM saying, don't worry, we got a backstop here. And I would imagine it's either five or ten, two longtime veteran GMs. I'm going to say either Seattle, John Schneider said, hey, if he's there at five, we got him. Don't Mm. worry, you can put your your client to rest and say, you don't have to go through this with everybody. They have a fifth overall pick, and they're a loaded team, and this is a gift of a pick from the Russell Wilson trade. Mm. If they don't go quarterback and he's sitting there at five, I don't have many stories where I have a GM promising an agent, hey, I'm going to take your guy. But if not at five, is Howie Roseman, who has been doing this for 20 years, is, and he and Drew have had a million conversations over their time, is he at 10 telling him, hey, he will not get past 10? Trust me. You don't have to go mm-hmm. interview with the with the Ravens with have a 22nd pick. You don't have to go he's meet with the Buccaneers it. at 19. He won't get past us at 10. It's a bold move by the agent because you never know how draft day mm-hmm. goes. And there could be 30 trades on the first day. But I have to think from a strategy standpoint, this is not a, a guy who's doing this for the first time. This is not a guy who is a newbie at the draft and is like, this is my big fish. He's got way bigger clients than Jalen Carter. He's got way bigger names than Jalen mm-hmm. Carter. And he's had bigger clients in the draft than Jalen Carter. I don't think he's going to lie to the guy and he's not going to lie to us on television and say the team. If Drew Rosenhaus is putting it that way and he's talking to Frankel on HBO, I can't imagine he's slipping out of the top ten. If he does, a million freak things should have happened or could have happened, and I would say he'd have to come on Real Sports the next week and say, look, well, mm-hmm. this is what happened, here's where it went down, and someone lied to me, and yeah. if that's the case, that's the NFL draft in a nutshell.
4: I look back at what Kyle said yesterday when he talked about Jalen Carter as probably the most intriguing defensive prospect in this draft, probably in recent drafts, and it's so crazy because you look at what everybody says about him from a film standpoint from a football standpoint it's like this guy could possibly be the best player in the entire draft and Peter, you mentioned something yesterday. You're like, hey, teams I think are, they're just that confident in themselves and the structure and the players, the people they have within their organization. They're just like, hey, for what he can do on the field, we can bring him in here and we can mold him to be the type of pro that we think he can be. Mm -hmm. It's not only organizations, as players, you feel the same way. I heard Quandre Diggs talking about him since you mentioned Seattle uh, with Richard Sherman on Sherman's podcast, and he was just like, we get him here, we get him around Bobby, we get him around myself, some of the veteran Seattle Seattle. Dogs player, Sherm coming back, Cliff Averill. He was like, he'll be fine. Like, we'll teach him the way. We'll show him the ropes. But some, as I look at that interview, there's just something about it where it's just like, when have you really seen something like this leading up to the draft? And it's just like... You fast forward a few years, what angle and how's this thing going to age? Is this going to be something we watch and it's just like, wow, you remember going into the draft? There were actually question marks about Jalen Carter and look, wow, look at how good he's playing. Look at the contract he just signed. Or is it going to be like, wow, like you remember before the draft, there were so many red flags. There were so many things. I don't know why this team took him mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. So it's such an intriguing, such a different type of thing where for a team to take him, they're going to have to feel very confident. You talked about Harry Rollsman and the Philadelphia Eagles, Jordan Jordan Davis was his teammate. Do they bring him in with the belief that, So hey, was Nicobe Dean. Both of these guys, they were with him. You have intel right there of what he was like to be able to say, hey, we know if we bring him into our building, there's guys that are going to surround him, that are going to be there for him, that are going to make sure he's doing things the right way. Or is it one of those things where just like, hey, he may be yeah. talented as hell on the football field, but we just don't know off the field if we can handle it.
2: What did you say to us yesterday? I, I think it was on the air. that some, You talked to somebody who said there's like there's two stars.
0: And
4: yeah. it's,
2: what was it? It's, it's, it's Bryce Young, P.
0: John Robinson... And Jalen Carter this draft we can hype the draft all we want there are three great players blue, blue chip prospects those are them yeah and Will Anderson's on the list, too. Yeah, like, I hear it,
2: that. It's that. Listen, I think it should be said, if somebody has a problem with what Jalen Carter was involved with and don't want to draft him, fine, I respect it. But when I hear Rosenhaus, I just I look at the the body of work. And Drew Rosenhaus made the greatest prediction in the history of the draft that far trumped this. Go back to 2002, Willis McGahee. We're watching Miami versus Ohio State. His knee explodes on national television. He's never going to play football again. Drew Rosenhaus says he will be a first round pick. He will be in training camp. He will have his. And everyone's like, no, he won't. He's projected as a fifth-round project. We don't know if he's ever going to run again. Guys, the Bills drafted him in the first round. It was an amazing thing that he just straight-up willed it to happen. He put all his reputation out there, all his credibility. He would have looked like a clown if Drew Wills McGee here's he's getting the call, the first-round pick. He knew something. He's, he's had conviction on something. And I'm not here to do an infomercial for Drew Rosenhaus, nor does he need it. But I, if we're talking about where Jalen is going to go, I think Rosenhaus would look like a clown if Jalen Carter fell to the 22nd pick or the 12th pick. He's sitting here saying, It's going to happen. He's not going to go on Twitter, go on anywhere and say, unless he has a massive guarantee. And look, things start flying at the draft, all right? Things come out, we know there's Laramie Tunsil situations, there's all kinds of things. We don't know what the hell's gonna happen on draft day. So some team that gave you this quote-unquote assurance might be like, our bad Drew will get you next year, but yeah. things happen and we change and we're not taking him. I think he has every assurance, but it's not ironclad, it's not.
0: And I would say, I talked to another veteran agent who respects the hell out of Drew Rosenhaus and says, agents have no say in where a player gets drafted. Remember that, we have no say. There's nothing that we can say as an agent to get Get a team to They're not going to do us any favors. Mm-hmm, they're not going to mm-hmm. say, hey, I've, we've got three of my clients on your team, and we've done really good negotiations. Yeah, we owe we'll you yeah. a solid here. And yeah. take the, <laughs> the agent plays no role in where a player gets drafted at all. They can help you get drafted at a better spot by your training. They can help you with the marketing. But oh, they I cannot understand. control it once it's draft day. The team is going to take the player that they want. So it's not going to be a favor to Drew Rosenhaus if Jalen Carter gets taken in the top pick and a team's like, well, it goes against our better judgment, but we got to do Drew a solid. Yeah, we owe Drew. It's going to be on Jalen.
1: Carter.